You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Well, yes, it's that time of the day again. Time for Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton. Jazakumullah for joining us. Hope your day has been a pleasant one so far. Start of another week. Well, the end of the day of the start of another week. It's the beginning of the end of the beginning of another week. Put it that way. Um, we've had some, uh, well, it's been a, a fairly interesting day on the markets today. Coming up in the show, we've got Naspass to list its IT assets in Amsterdam. We'll take a quick look at uh, Rainbow Capital, uh, uh, Africa Rainbow Capital. Did you know that uh, its subsidiary Rain is going to be introducing South Africa to 5G ahead of the rest of the world? Mm. Did you know that? And it's going to be happening around about June, July this year. That soon, yes. And it's going to be happening in uh, Johannesburg, Cape Town, and Durban. That's where the first 5G uh, is going to be rolled out in South Africa, putting us in the forefront of this whole thing. So anyway, I, I thought uh, there's various reasons why Africa Rainbow Capital kind of like popped up on the radar. Maybe I will discuss that as well. ESCOM and mine jobs. The mines are warning there's 90,000 jobs at risk uh, due to ESCOM's tariff increases. And that's just this year's tariff increase. They're saying they're going to lose 90,000 jobs. Hmm. And and that's only a 13% increase, if my memory serves me correctly. ESCOM had asked for a 15-plus percent increase for the next three years. Every year, ESCOM is going to be putting up its prices by 15%. Very similar to everything it's been doing before. Um, I was watching uh, the big debate on uh, TV3 last night. Um, uh, very interesting uh, comments coming out there. Ridi Direko actually not doing a bad job. Not doing a bad job. She's a bit of a kind of like a DA type, if you know what I mean. Um, <clears throat> but uh, she did quite a good job uh, last night. It's just that, you see, um, I feel like this kind of like collusive tendencies, these kind of like clotting tendencies uh, in, the, in, the, in the ranks of journalism and associated kind of activities like, you know, documentary programs and calling talk shows and all of these kinds of things. Uh, it's a, it's amazing how journalists go and clot around opinion makers uh, who have uh, emerged from another very strong stream of vested interest that starts working its way through the market, you know. Uh, and you know that uh, the 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 forming opinion is being expressed by paid for um, public relations officers. Who uh, most of the world kind of like know as economists. Uh, remember the Chris Hart, Hart debacle a few years ago? Turned out that guy only had a matric, and he's been dictating to South Africa about economic policy. <laughs> oh, Absa banker, he was with Absa, ne? Mm. Chris Hart, he's got a matric. Well, hey, he did a very, he did a good job. He did a better job than that um, uh, that different. Um, uh, signing uh, interpreter uh, uh, at the Jacob Zuma rally, or was it Jacob Zuma? Yeah, it was Jacob Zuma <laughs> a few years ago. Oh, Jacob Zuma didn't turn up. Or, uh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. All those kind of like things are kind of falling by the wayside nowadays, aren't they? Huh? Uh, yeah, Chris Hart did a better job than that guy doing the signing at the at the. Uh, the I think it was ANC's 100 year celebration um, party. Was it that? Or what was it? Obama and everyone was there. 
That was quite an embarrassment. But anyway, Chris Hart was even more embarrassing than that guy. I know you know who I'm talking about. We all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> it was very funny. Hey, you know, <laughs> at least at least the South African corruption does have an ability to make us smile and laugh. Hmm? Yeah, we, 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 we've still got a tinge of innocence about our corruption. We haven't got into the deep down, filthy, dirty kind of stuff like apartheid Israel and Nazi America get up to. Uh, we'll be having a look at the housing market uh, with reference to our own housing market. And uh, yeah, I, I, I want you guys to ask yourselves, what do you think of this? Why don't we have this in South Africa? And not necessarily saying that they do have it in America. Uh, they've got all kinds of things uh, that are there to ensure that people continue to pay their mortgages. It's supposed to be as safe as houses. That's the investment adage. And it's been around for a very long time. It's safe as houses. Uh, that means that a uh, person who's, who, who takes out a mortgage is going to be living in this house, and that means he's got a vested interest ab over and above just kind of like financial parity to ensure that he does repay that loan. So uh, the mortgage market, you know, among all of the loan markets in the world, uh, and next to the bond market, I don't know, maybe before the bond market, it's got a 1%, 2% um, failure rate, mortgages. Uh, why don't we have these measures here in South Africa? We almost did have them. We had the Home Loan Guarantee Corporation a few years ago that was starting to implement these kind of like lending practices. Uh, and it worked very well, remarkably well, even in the low-income sector. I see First National Bank a few days ago, after criticisms for redlining uh, black poor areas, said blah, 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 It's a story that it's been trotting out like since the deepest, darkest days of apartheid, and it hasn't changed its tune. I'd just like to say that Standard Bank does appear to have changed its tune. I haven't gone back to to check specifically, but a few years ago I did interview the head of Standard Bank's low-income housing division, and he seemed to be fully online with all of these new measures you can implement if you want to ensure that poor people repay their mortgages. Well, kind of very simple little measures. You must just uh, change your operating procedures slightly. It does increase expenses expenses in your uh, in your operating um, in your operations, uh, <clears throat> but it does ensure a profitable, healthy, and stable housing market. Now, this is what uh, the government has been trying to work for for the last 24 years. Well, in actual fact, it's been saying that it's trying to work for it. But it's like, uh, you know, it's like um, someone who's, who starts uh, a gambling operation. <clears throat> he wants a whole company to, to, to come climb into his gambling operation. So he says he's doing it for, he's doing it for charity. Uh, and, of course, the charity rules here in South Africa are such that uh, charities only have to hand over 17% of their income, 1-7% of their income, over to um, beneficiaries at the end of the year. In other words, they can chow 83% of their income themselves. So you can give yourself a nice fat salary. Uh, you, can, uh, you can buy five different homes and call them company offices. You can start up offices in Paris and New York and all these kind of places and call them market offices, but in actual fact, they're just a home from home. Yeah, that's what you can do uh, with the housing markets and with charities nowadays. Um, okay, so now we'll also be looking at Reuters and Bloomberg. Can we trust them? Uh, this thought has been growing in my head for the last uh, while, ever since I was like reading up on the Competition Commission and the RAND manipulation cases. Uh, the Competition Commission says 
that uh, traders use Bloomberg and Reuters uh, instant messaging platforms to collude on their pricing. So, this is the reason why I'm asking, can we trust Reuters and Bloomberg? Is the so-called journalism that they produce in actual fact journalism? Or is it merely a disguised expression of the vested interests of their trading platform clients who will be like among the biggest banks and businesses in the world. When you're running a supposedly uh, independent journalism operation and at the same time you have the world's foremost trading platform that like uh, 60 to 80 percent of all currency traders use, are you not then getting a little bit too close to your sources? Are you, are you not uh, entering, I mean, for me it's not a grey area, for me it's a very dark and black area of absolute um, conflict of interest. How can you call yourself a journalist and the organization you work for, a journalism organization, if your organization is putting in place all of the, all of the infrastructure that all of the people that you report about are going to need in order to do their business. Like say, for instance, if I call myself a sports reporter and, uh, and uh, I started a sports newspaper and then what we did was we went and we built all of the stadiums around the world, uh, around the world, basically this is what Bloomberg's done, but let's just keep it on a South African level. Let's just say we're doing soccer here in South Africa and uh, my, my, my media company, uh, bought over all the sports stadia in the whole country. And uh, and then we start dictating to the sports teams and the sports codes as to the entry times they can start using it. And we keep a surveillance on them. We know exactly what the activities are getting up to. We get together with uh, like sports betting um, organization and... Uh, and then we start manipulating the games in order to get big bucks out at the other end of our gambling operation. Isn't this what's happening with Reuters and Bloomberg? I mean, uh, you know, you, you read Reuters and Bloomberg and all they go on and on and on and on and on and on. And, and um, I must say Business Day like forms to this kind of activity. And that is to blame the government on a daily basis for the daily moves in, in RAND values. Uh, so in actual fact, what you're not re you're not really reporting on what people generally understand as the market. Where do they get this consensus things that uh, yeah, well, you know, um, <clears throat> the rand's gone down because Tito Mboweni, uh said this thing or that thing. Uh, the rand has gone up because um, Silva Mapoza is a vote of confidence in him. Uh, the vast majority of the people who are working overseas, uh, currency traders, don't give a damn about who Jacob Zuma is. All they care about is what kind of movement can they get. And when their typically South African cultural cringe-infused currency trader says, Ah, you know, the blooming blacks in this country, you know what they do. It's just terrible. And it, basically, they reveal a prejudice upon which they can both agree uh, and they will sell the rand down. And they use the bigger volumes of uh, international currencies in order to be able to do it. And, uh, and I'm quite sure that they do this in many other jurisdictions as well, which then results in Reuters and Bloomberg being mere expressions of vested interests. And it's got absolutely nothing to do with journalism. 
I wonder if the Competition Commission has been looking into that issue. Um, I think I'm going to have to give them a call and see if we can get them onto the program. I'm sure it'll make for a really interesting debate. And then we can uh, send a recording to Reuters and Bloomberg <laughs> and ask them if they'd like to comment. I'm sure that would make for a really nice show. Anyway, also today the mini crop outlook has come out as 16% down, they're expecting. Uh, but then again, you know, how long is a piece of string? Uh, mini crop farmers are also players in the market and uh, sometimes they like to underreport or overreport the, their, their expected yield sizes simply because they've got a certain position in the market. You know, they're as bad as journalists. Die boere is maar net so slecht soos die journaliste. Ek weet nie, okay. We'll also be uh, looking at calls for the Special Investigations Unit to climb into Steinhoff, given the rather ham-fisted Keystone Cops kind of uh, treatment. Uh, the Hawks have been given the whole thing. Spent a whole year uh, investigating Steinhoff, and when they came uh, to report to Parliament at the end of that year, they told Yunus Karim, who's head of the Portfolio Oversight Committee, uh, yeah, no, 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 we've been investigating Steinhoff for a year. Yeah, that's good. No, we've been focusing on it. Gave it our best shot, bro. And uh, it turns out that, um, yeah, they've only investigated one deal. One deal. <laughs> it's like there's hundreds and thousands of them. This is activity that has gone on for like more than 10 years, by all accounts. And all they can discover is one deal. And then they said that, yeah, but now, you know, we're about to bring it to Parliament and tune all the gas, what's going on? And next moment, you know, we discover another 10 more. So now we're looking at those other 10. There's not another 10 more, there's another 1,000 more. Ah, uh, boy. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, Keystone Cops, the Special Investigation Junior, going to come in. Hopefully the uh, prosecuting authority is also going to be on board. You know, you never know what happens. And hopefully if someone is found guilty, the president won't pardon him at the end of the whole thing. It's like it happens in America all the time. All right. So anyway, Nuspass has announced today that it's going to Amsterdam on a joint. I'm sorry, I mean a jaunt. Tencent shareholder Nuspass plans to float a portion of its e-commerce ventures, its IT sectors, um, uh, sections or IT-focused um, subsidiaries. They're going to launch them uh, into the European market uh, hopefully, hopefully this year uh, on Euronext in Amsterdam. That's the name of the stock exchange in Amsterdam. I wonder why they've chosen Euronext uh, to create Europe's largest listed internet group. Hmm? Yeah. yeah, South Africans, when it comes to the internet, I don't know what happens to us. Um, I was working for a London-based investor relations company a few years ago, uh, College Hill. <clears throat> And uh, the Brits in our company, it's a London-based company, the Brits in our company were astounded at how, like, internet-savvy South Africans are. Apparently, it's not the same kind of scale as, as, as uh, Europe and America. It seems like um, we got into it a bit late and we've leapfrogged them in many kinds of areas. We've got a really kind of, like, good understanding of it all. Um, I'm just thinking of dimension data. Uh, for instance, there, a huge big South African giant that went over and listed in Europe and then sold itself out to a Japanese company. Uh, and now they're thinking of relisting here in South Africa, which is also quite interesting. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, there's Mark Shuttleworth, there's old Elon Musk. Uh, I mean, we don't have shortage of like uh, internet geniuses. 
Um, and here we are now. We are we are we are this little um, country on the on the toe of Africa, um, and uh, we're going to be launching Europe's largest listed internet group. Um, I must say, uh, I've never met um, Naspers Chairman. Oh, his name has just gone and slipped my head. How can I? How can I? How can I miss Naspers Chairman? Naspers Chairman. Oh, oh Kurs Becker. Naspers Chairman Kurs Becker. Uh, in the 1990s already, Kurs Becker had packed his little luggage, his little suitcase, onto a plane, boof, into Beijing, made friends who were all kinds of places. He used his multi-choice. Um, Technology to go and uh, and bring internet to every small little town and village all across China, and for that the Chinese rewarded him greatly. And so uh, Nutspass ended up as a thirty percent shareholder in Ten Cents, one of the biggest gambling and gaming um, uh, companies in China. And China is very big in gambling. You see, uh, they've got this belief in joss, good or bad, bad luck. Um, so yeah, big on gambling, um, and uh, and and so Nuspers suddenly became this huge big giant, uh, and uh, you know it had cash coming out of all the kinds of pores, and so now Nuspers is it's hived off multi-choice onto its own. As far as I'm concerned, it's basically getting rid of the junk before you start doing some real work. The real work is here, coming in, uh, going to be going across to Amsterdam. And uh, they're they're going to be uh, they're going to be l launching. They they're going to be basically collating all of the IT interests and businesses together. And uh, I'm sure it's not going to just be an untidy clump of of, of opportunism. If uh, course Becker, I don't know him personally at all, but if course Becker is the kind of man that I think he is, uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, very interesting to watch that one going forward. Um, It was uh, Nuspass was founded over a hundred years ago. It's become a very different company since 1994, when basically it was like a, the National Party's mouthpiece. Um, it's now the new IT company is expected to be owned 75% by Nuspass and to have a free float of 25% when it lists in the second half of this year. Of course, like you know, this all sounds like like all of my billionaire buddies are going to be on board. It's going to be a bit like uh, Africa Rainbow Capital. In fact, you know, it's coincidental that I decided I would uh, discuss Africa Rainbow Capital on the same day. But basically, here you have um, billionaires getting together uh, and and uh, going to float a company. They go and uh, you see when a company is going to go to the stock exchange. If it, if, it, if it has if it has the money and uh, the weight behind it, it's not going to be difficult to find a, a sponsor for the JSE uh, or the stock exchange wherever it is that wants to list. Uh, it'll need to find a broker. It'll need to find a, a, a legal firm. It must have an accounting firm. And you know, if you get together with the guys that know the market. Uh, then they're going to take on a, what they call a book building exercise before you have your launch. And basically this book building exercise is to go around to all of the big funds, the big pension fund managers, the banks, uh, the medical aid schemes and so on, 
and uh, the, the the government bond managers, you know, the, these people who got all of the money coming in, and they need to invest it so that the money remains active. It doesn't get lazy, naughty, naughty money. Uh, you're going to go sit in the corner over there, you naughty, naughty Indian rupee. And you're going to sit there with the rand. You're going to go sit there with uh, the uh, the Australian dollar. You know, <laughs> all of our emerging market peers. Uh, it allows you to, um, well, anyway, uh, a new company is going to be owned 75% from now, by now's pass and with a free float of 25% within less than the second half of the year. So, uh, NASPAS is outsized weighting on the JSE shareholder weighted in, uh, index. It constitutes about 25% of the entire JSE. It's also a major headache for fund managers who've been forced to sell the stock when its valuation rises to limit their exposure. But now you see, NASPAS is going to go and get together, and it's going to go on its book building exercise, and it's going to sell uh, tranches to the big banks. And it looks like it's going to be owned 75%. I mean, that's a huge big, uh, the 25% overhang. It's a, it's a bit like Africa Rainbow Capital did the same thing. But now, you know, there's not much market open there for the public. You know, uh, people are going to hold on to these shares. I wonder if you wanted to go out today and buy Africa Rainbow Capital shares, if you'd be able to. I mean, uh, you know, if I was the kind of guy that did invest in the stock exchange, I would. I would. I'd go about. I'd, I'd go out and I'd buy Africa Rainbow Capital shares if I could get my hands into it. If I could get my hands into this nice pass IT IT company, I would also try and do that as well. But uh, I'm not the kind of guy that does that. I just don't have that kind of money, and I've never been interested in doing so. People ask me about the How can you come and talk about the market um, if you're not in the market? How, how how can you talk about uh, trading shares if you've never experienced the thrill? Well, you know, I kind of like to say that it does make me independent. I don't give a damn what happens to the market. I don't, you know, I don't have a vested interest in the market going up. I don't have a vested interest in the market going down. I don't have a family of shares whose, whose valuations I like to protect. And... Uh, and uh, another thing is, um, come on, go and get uh, some of these guys who are so busy making money and experiencing the thrill of share trading and see if they're going to come and sit down here for the kind of salary I earn in order to speak about them. But they won't. They won't. There's just not enough money in it. Unless, of course, you own a media organization. Journalism and business can be very, very profitable, I must say. You know, I haven't been in business journalism for a long time. I can say, I can tell you without any fear of correction, that business journalism can be stinkingly, filthily profitable if you're willing to be a little dirty. Yeah. Well, anyway... NASPAS's problems mirror the dilemma faced by Yahoo, where its core business ended up being worth 10 times less than its stake in Alibaba and Yahoo Japan. Yahoo fixed that by selling its core operating business to Verison in 2016 and rebranding what was left of Altaba, a conflation of alternative and Alibaba. Yeah, so um, what kind of overhang is, going, is there going to be in the market? Uh, there's a, there, you can say it's a, it's a legitimate concern. You want to ensure that there is support for your initial public offering. When you go to market on your first day, you do want there to be support for your strike price. You go to the market and say, how much are you going to start selling at? That selling mark 
basically tells the market how confident or lacking in confident you are, confidence you are. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're only going to come to that price if you reckon people are going to support it. And you're going to get a, you're only going to get a good idea of where that price is going to be if you go around to some institutions and you tell them, okay, look, I'll give you a shares at a discount of 25%. And, uh, we're pricing the shares at 90 Rand. Well, you're going to see very clearly as to whether or not people believe that 90 Rand price is a fair price straight away, even before your IPO comes about, because the banks and all of those guys, they know the business back to front. So uh, when you go on your book building exercise, you get a good idea of how the market is likely to react, as well as having this kind of institutional support behind you, it does draw in the smaller fish. Um, but then at the same time, it sort of turns into a closed boys club, you know. Um, you go around in these book building exercises and everybody knows each other. Uh, when you're going along the first time, it's like really exciting, you know, for your first meeting. You go into your first meeting, you realize, oops, ooh, wee, these guys uh, will not be very impressive. They realize you're all excited about all of this because for them, it's just another one. Um, and they know their business. <clears throat> And uh, and you know that everyone else knows each other and everyone else knows each other's business. And, uh, oh, you know, it's just too incestuous for me to really get comfortable in that kind of place. Some people don't really mind. Some people got thicker skins than me. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, I seem to have a, a good eye for this stuff. Um, I mean, I have made some good calls over the years. And, um, well, I'm afraid you're stuck with me. Uh, that's the real reason why I do this job, because it's there. Right, okay. So Africa Rainbow Capital, as we were saying, it popped up. No, no, the, 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 this was another interesting thing. There, yeah, I'm on an internet site, uh, checking out the JSE and checking out shares and trades for the day, and suddenly, you know, you get those adverts that pop up from sites on the on the on the right-hand bottom of your screen. Very ir irritating, you know, Skype and all those people. They kind of like grab the section where you're always trying to pull your cursor down when you want to go down the page. Um, it's always getting in your way. And as I go down there, it's yeah, Africa Rainbow Capital. And I knew from a few weeks ago that Africa Rainbow Capital was uh, its subsidiary Rain, uh, which had been rolling out uh, fixed line um, internet connections across the Lani suburbs in South Africa. Was going to be the chosen partner for launching Huawei's 5G network in South Africa. And I thought, now that's really exciting. And now this Africa Rainbow Capital pops up onto my screen again. And it says, uh, due to the, you know, the, the article that you were just viewing here, perhaps you'd also like to view this one. But the thing is, the article was from 2017. Now, you know, generally uh, a internet site would be wanting you to come and look at the news on the day. Not to the news from like two years ago or one and a half years ago. So now I'm asking myself now, why on earth did this thing pop up onto my screen? And I said, well, there you see. Now, this is all supposed to be a journalism site. It's supposed to be an objective site. But obviously, um, people are using aspects of the site to build more money. Oh, what the heck, you know, who says it's illegal? Who says it's immoral? 
but it is generally you expect it to be taken to the news of the day. I started reading this Africa Capital, a Rainbow Capital article, and uh, I realized very quickly, oh, this has to be old. Um, but anyway, uh, I, th- I thought to myself, well, it really is worth mentioning again. Uh, that these guys are going to be launching 5G in South Africa and it's going to be happening ahead of the rest of the world. Um, I'm not going to go into uh, key investments and so on. Uh, the board of directors are Patrice Motsepe, Johan von Sell, Johan von Amerva and Tom Boardman. And it's got all, you know, all of those guys that you see in the book builds? It's all got, got all of those guys' guys. Hmm? Uh, other investors... Key investors will be Patrice Motsepe, the Public Investment Commission, which is uh, the government's um, pension fund trading arm. Uh, that's a government pension funds, basically. Uh, Sandland Private Wealth has got Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund. Other includers include Paul Harris, you all know him, and uh, GT Ferreira, you all know him. Yes, that's right, the founding members of Rand Merchant Bank. Uh, and Michael Yudan, former chief executive of a First National and a venture capitalist, as he calls himself nowadays. Uh, so, yeah, so definitely these guys, they, they, they know their stuff. So, you know, when uh, you get these kind of millionaires clotting together around a vested interest, then, you know, this thing's looking good. Um, but I think they're, they're also going to be uh, 75% subscribed by the time on the day of listing. Uh, you're probably also going to have a hard time to get hold of Africa Rainbow Capital shares. That listing's probably happening around about a, halfway through this year, I think. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye out for it if uh, you're in a buying mood. We're going to have to go for a quick commercial break after this message from the market. We will be back, inshallah. Don't go away. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah Wal Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. If you want to give us a call, come on, be on the radio. Let the world hear your voice. You can call us here in Lanasia on 010 that's 010-001-004. Or you can WhatsApp your messages if you're in a shy mood and uh, you'd rather let your fingers do the talking. 084-786-3132 is our number here. 084-786-3132. Come on, share your views and let us all hang out. Let the world know how you're feeling. Uh, yeah, okay. So Natspass uh, is going to be listing uh, in Amsterdam, as we said. Uh Africa Rainbow Capital is going to be bringing us 5G ahead of uh, many developed nations around the world. We're going to be one of the first countries with 5G. And if you're living in Johannesburg, Cape Town or Durban, then those are the three cities that are going to be targeted. I hope they're going to send something down to uh, to Lanesia's side as well. We kind of like get forgotten very often. Kind of like switch our lights off. It feels as though we've been carrying uh, the the load shedding load, uh, Johannesburg's load shedding load on our shoulders, and the lights are going off so often nowadays, and that's really making the business for small difficult for small businesses. Uh, we're repeatedly told that it's up to small businesses to create employment in the country because the big uh, the big companies uh, just like don't have time to employ human beings. They're too busy making money for their uh, for the one percent which is like uh, astoundingly arrogant. Uh, But anyway, uh, according to um, 
NASPAS, uh, its e-commerce business has generated 3.3 billion rand in annual core profit uh, from sales of nearly 16 billion dollars, with Tencent accounting for virtually all the profit. The new entity that they're planning to list uh, in Amsterdam uh, with the secondary listing in Johannesburg, so you'll be able to trade uh, from Johannesburg, will house stakes from some of the world's biggest internet brands in emerging markets, including Russia's biggest social networking site, MailRU, uh, Indian online travel firm, Make My Trip, and Brazilian food delivery firm, iFood. The new company is expected to be owned 75% by NASPAS and have a free float of 25%. Uh, it's outside, um, NASPAS's problems uh, should hopefully be addressed uh, once, they, once they've hired that off. And uh, they're going to be able to concentrate on core activities unless, of course, its, it's IT company then becomes the core activity, which wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Um, anyway, this skullduggery around Steinhoff continues and uh, people remain worried about what's going to happen with their money. If they're only ever going to get their money back, the share price continues tickling around about 1 rand 80. It used to be at 95 rands. Um, and so, uh, given the Hawks' pathetic performance uh, before the Parliamentary Oversight Committee 10 days ago, uh, the the professional the professional what do they call themselves uh, there's some kind of it's a self-proclaimed um we're, we're, we're progressive professionals they call themselves the progressive professionals forum has called for south africa's new uh, special investigations unit to probe steinoff in the light of new new revelations of corruption uh, the pwc report appeared before the standing committee Yunus karim insisted um, the chief financial officer, the sitting chief financial officer, uh, tried to try to gloss over who everyone was. And in fact, Price Waterhouse Coopers's report is coming under for some severe stick because there's not one mention of the word fraud in the entire report. It says uh, they did not meet reporting standards. It was below reporting standards. But this is fraud and corruption. This is money laundering. It's all kinds of the dirtiest, filthiest kind of like white-collar crime that you can get. And, uh, and uh, the, 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 another crime is done on top of Price Waterhouse Coopers. Just kind of showing you, reconfirming, reaffirming the fact that you can't trust accountants. The big accounting firms should be broken up. They should be broken up and uh, no accounting firm should ever, 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 or no accountant again should ever, ever, ever be allowed to create accounting firms this big. Um, uh, right now, uh, you've got the big four accounting firms in the world. Uh, Anderson um, Accounting, remember, it was brought down around about the year 2000, 1999, I think, uh, by the Enron scandal. Uh, and uh, it's uh, um, what's it? Uh, Anderson Consulting. You see, uh, the consulting side of things, adding up the numbers and the figures is like it's, it makes money, it makes a profit, and so on. But uh, the consulting side comes in when uh, you start uh, putting together plans that your clients can do, and you do it in conjunction with a whole lot of other uh, entities and and uh, legal firms and so on. So when you when you've reached this kind of like critical mass. You're all around the world, and suddenly, uh, you know, the interests of other shareholders in companies. You know, it's not just the people who own shares in a company who are shareholders in a company. 
Um, I first came across this idea with Judge Nell, who's investigating the Mastermind Commission, uh, and that is that other people also have stakes in your company. Uh, say Rand Waters providing water to your company and has a stake in your company because he's doing business with your company. All of your clients and all your suppliers are all stakeholders in your company. Your workers are stakeholders in your company. They're dependent on your company. Um, and so it's not just a matter of, okay, I own a piece of private property and I'll do with it what I want. No, you can't do that kind of thing. You know, There are all other kinds of people. Environment protection agencies have also got uh, a stake in your company. Maybe it's not a, a share on the stock exchange, but they have a stake in your company. All of these people are stakeholders. Judge Hendrick now wanted annual general meetings to be to and and boards of companies to cons- to fairly reflect the real stakeholder base of every company. So there should be clients representation in there. There should be consumer representation in there, worker representation in there, and all kinds of board decisions and so on should be made with all of these interests in mind. Uh, well, <clears throat> now Price Waterhouse Coopers. You know, this is just after um, what was it? it was Deloitte. Deloitte was the uh, accounting firm for um, for Steinhoff, and uh, it uh, it admitted, yes, uh, you know, we had uh, we had been part of the whole kind of fraud that went on at Steinhoff, and we're very sorry for it. Now, want to be forgiven. And as they're asking for forgiveness, so another big auditing firm comes out and says, oh, the Price Waterhouse Coopers and kind of like presents a whitewashed, horrible, watered-down report to the public. You know, uh, the hundreds of billions of rands have been wiped off in value, have been wiped off the JSE, thanks to collusion, thanks to the inability of the big accounting firms to create uh, a, a gap, a big enough gap between themselves and their clients' interests. And when they fail, when they fail to do that, well, uh, then uh, you get uh, the master bond uh, story that happened. That was Ernst and Young. Ernst and Young, they were there in in cahoots. The accountants were making big bucks with all of the board members of master bond, and you'll probably find exactly the same kind of things happen with all of these other guys as well. Uh, so PricewaterhouseCoopers comes and does a report on the dirty job that Deloitte did, and PricewaterhouseCoopers does a dirty job on that and tries to whitewash everything. Um, and so now the Progressive Professionals Forum is saying, look, like there's enough of that. They don't want to, uh, we don't want to uh, bumble through another year of wasted time with the Hawks. Let's call the Special Investigations Unit in here and let's get to the bottom of this whole story. Um, you know, the Hawks are saying that they're waiting for the, for the PWC report. The PWC report says nothing. Uh, the Hawks have been investigating one, one deal the whole year. Um, very clearly, the, these are the Keystone Cops and the Three Stooges all rolled into one. Um, the Hawks, uh, Deloitte, and PricewaterhouseCoopers. There, the Three Stooges of the Steinhoff saga. And um, they, they, they've got to try and uh, over, overdo Marcus Euster and his 40 thieves. They're never ever going to be able to produce anything. Uh, so uh, the Progressive Professionals Forum said the full report with more than 3,000 pages and 4,000 document annexures was nothing short of wasted paper, not worth the over 200 billion rands lost by investors, including government pensioners. A lot of government pensioners, you know. Old people are old people. 
Uh, often, but you know, the thing is that these are pensioners. They've reached the end of their working lives, and now they have their money stolen away from them. Just as happened with Master Bond, with the collusion of uh, of the other big accounting firm, Ernst and Young. Uh, really disgusting people, accountants. They should be they should be whipped on a regular basis. They should be whipped and taken to the bottom of the garden and tied with a chain. Um, that's how you should treat uh, accountants. And when they start giving you things like, no, you shouldn't be doing your economy like this. You should whip them harder. Um, I mean, some of the worst liars in the world are told by accountants. And that's in a world with so many lawyers walking around. Um, The report's attempt, it says the Progressive Professionals Forum, the report's attempt to water down hard executive transgressions, blatant criminality into mere simplistic non-conformance of disclosure requirements and accounting standards should absolutely be frowned upon from a reputable auditing firm like PwC. Like I say, yes, it should be frowned upon. In fact, it was even more than done. Now, all of these auditing firms should be broken up. We believe that the continued assurance breaches by auditing firms in South Africa necessitates a closer look at the conduct of the auditing industry, says the Progressive Professionals Forum, as a whole in our country, as it's beginning to give strong indications of collusion. No, uh, sorry, uh, Progressive Professionals Forum, but it's been giving that stink for the like the last 30, 40 years. Um, and it's now because, uh, you know, some of you guys have been brunted out there now that now you're starting to say it's beginning to give strong indications. Nonsense. It's been clear as day for like 30 years. The PAPF calls for strong action to be taken against Steinhoff executives, Juster, Stefan Grobler, Davide Romano, Ben Lechranzi, Dirk Schreiber, Sigmar Schmidt, Alan Evans, and Jean-Noël Pasquier, among many others, it says. I wonder who those many others are. Uh, it calls upon President Ramaphosa to instruct the SIU to investigate Steinhoff's alleged fraud, collusion, theft, money laundering, and insider trading, like he has done with the procurement of vehicles at the city of Johannesburg. Oh, well, that's a bit, a bit of a different story, but okay, we'll, uh, we'll let that reference point go. This call is made because of our concern, says the Progressive Professionals Forum, that there seems to be more and more revelations of corporate misconduct by South African corporations at times in collusion with international partners, thereby undermining the country. And may I just say that these international partners are almost always the big five accounting firms. Um, it really is. I mean, none of that uh, Steinhoff uh, um, valuation fiddling could have been done without accountants and lawyers. So now the gold and platinum mines are warning they could shed around about 90,000 jobs in the next three years as above inflation electricity prices uh, from ESCOM to already soaring operating costs. Uh, the Minerals Council of South Africa said today as many as 90,222 jobs. Mm, that's a very specific number would be at risk solely as a result of the uh, tariff increases granted to ESCOM. Job cuts are politically sensitive in our country. We all know that. Uh, and, of course, Sibania Stillwater has already said that it plans to cut nearly 6,000 jobs in a restructuring of its gold mining operations. Goldfields last year said it could slash 1,100 jobs. Impala Platinum says it plans to cut its workforce by a third. Uh, as it goes into the shallower mining uh, uh, labor, it sold its deep mines to to Subanya a few years ago. 
Labor unions have threatened strikes of the job cuts at mining firms as well as planned reductions at numerous state-owned companies, which is, of course, uh, ESCOM. ESCOM is simply going to have to, just straight off the bat, without even looking at the figures, they have to reduce their workforce by a third because they unnecessarily increased their workforce by a third. No one knows actually why they did that, but they did. Um, I think it's something like uh, they had 32,000 workers. They added another 16,000. They now have 48,000 workers. Ah, but it's very easy to say you have to get rid of uh, 16,000 workers. It's a very difficult thing implementing such an idea. And, of course, there are lots of people who are dependent on those workers. Uh, yeah, you know, you kind of like uh, create conditions that make it impossible to go back. Energy regulator nurses said in March ESCOM could hike tariffs by 9.4% this year, 8.10% in 2020 and 5.2% in 2021. Far less than ESCOM's request for increases above 15%. Um, nurses said uh, that 71, or rather, yeah, nurses said that 71% of all gold mines and 65% of platinum mines are loss making or marginal. I know it wasn't uh, it wasn't nurses that were saying that. This was the the mine Minerals Council of South Africa. Uh, the Minerals Council of South Africa, which used to be um, the mining council. The Council of Mines. The Council of Mines, that's what it was, yeah. Um, I said 71% of all gold mines and 65% of platinum mines were loss-making or marginal by the end of 2018 and said that power price hikes would make the situation even worse. Now they're saying they're going to have to uh, lay off 90,000 workers. Uh, so, yeah, statistics South Africa data last week showed gold production contracted for the 15 months in a row, shrinking by 22.5% in January, while platinum output was up 8.8% in the same period. And uh, prompting me to say on my show that we need to check that these people are accurately and clearly reflecting how much minerals are taken out of the country. We keep on seeing uh, in other African countries back north, when those, when those governments clamp down, they always get money out of these swines. So I, I, I find it very difficult to believe, you know, that when it comes to South Africa, suddenly the international mining companies are very honest, and they do everything about board. But when they go into the rest of Africa, then they cheat. But when over here, then they're honest. Hmm? Is it true? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and uh, really, I, I think it, uh, at least in the initial, in the initial periods, will be worth its while. I mean, yeah, if you have inspectors go and inspect all of these things, they go and do core samples and things of all body, of, of all being taken out of the country to check, that, uh, to check the value of the ore. If we ban the export of all ore out of South Africa, I don't know if that'd be possible. It's probably practically impossible, um, given the needs of the global economy. Uh, well, it might be practically possible from a South African point of view. I want you to buy our rands. Sell all of our minerals in rands. Sell all of our minerals in rands, I keep on saying. Um, if, if, if we were to clamp down and keep a close check on the mining companies' exports, if we clamp down on the exports of ore, if it had to be beneficiated in some way or another, pelletized at the very least, you know, uh, turned into ferrochromium or something like that, uh, it would be okay. 
Do something with it in South Africa before you send it off, because then you're going to have a far clearer idea of the true value of your export. When it's all, then it's mixed together with a whole lot of dirt that's going to have to be refined out of it. And uh, you can't just say by weighing or how much it's going to be, what concentration of the ore is going to be uh, iron or gold or vanadium or um, magnesium or chromium or whatever it is that you're, you're exporting. Because uh, you're going to have to keep burn out those impurities. Uh, so if you've got a purified metal being exported, you know exactly its worth. Um, I've said before, the export of rough diamonds is the only real way to end of the blood diamond trade. Uh, but anyway, uh, more. I guess we're going to continue talking that kind of thing for many months going ahead. Um, According to the Mines Council Chief Executive Roger Baxter, they see the ESCOM crisis as not just a crisis, but a potential disaster. And just to underline that point, Lonman today said it does not have sufficient liquidity to fund new projects needed to avoid staff closures and job losses. Um, the London listed miner, it's been crippled by soaring costs and subdued platinum prices. Uh, it's like around 800 and something dollars a fine ounce. Um, uh, if you tuned into my show on Saturday, you would have had a very interesting hour listening to uh, how how basically uh, most of the world's platinum is in actual fact in underground vaults in the hearts of the Swiss Alps. Very interesting story that, I must say. You would have loved that show. If you, if you enjoy this show, uh, you should tune into my show on Saturdays between 3 and 4. Uh, this Saturday, inshallah, I'm going to be focusing on uh, the, Isra the Palestinian oil fields, offshore oil fields, that have been stolen by Nazi Israel. And, uh, and uh, yeah, the, 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 whole, the whole deal that's going on there, it's called the Leviathan, the giant, the gigantic oil field in the Mediterranean off the coast of Israel. Very, very fascinating story. This Saturday, that's going to be the focus. Uh, I was hoping to do a two-part show uh, this last Saturday, but instead, um, I mean, the, 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 how the, the platinum trading and the manip manipulation of platinum prices are just turned into a fascinating discussion. So if you want to hear about apartheid Nazi Israel's um, or the oil-stealing dealings, uh, you can tune into my show uh, this Saturday between 3 and 4 p.m., I'm sure, inshallah, you're going to be very uh, captivated. Uh, so, so Lonman, Tanya saying it's in all kinds of trouble. Um, and he's likely to lead to more than 10,000 layoffs. Lonman said today it had, introduced, it had reduced over 8,000 positions as part of its business improvement plan. But despite that, uh, its uh, prospects going forward remain constrained. The challenges facing Lonman and the industry persist. Um, uh, we're not going to have time to go into the American uh, housing market, which is a pity. Um, uh, it, it does make well. Maybe we'll do them one of my Saturday shows because it's uh, it's quite a it's quite an interesting one, and you can actually get down into some of the details there. Um, anyway, can we trust Reuters or Bloomberg? Now you see. Our competition commission says that uh, collusion happens 
between uh, New York, London, Paris, Frankfurt-based currency analysts and analysts here in South Africa. And they agree on prices. And they do their trades uh, via the Bloomberg platform or the Reuters platforms. Basically, those are the two main trading platforms that uh, the big commodities and currencies and share traders, uh, fund managers use across the world. Also used by financial journalists. But now, how can Bloomberg be a news organization and a player in the market? Uh, that just kind of like immediately smacks of all kinds of conflicts of interest. Uh, there's no ways that you can be neutral and be a player. I mean, you can't be a referee and a player. Anyone who's played soccer knows that. But nevertheless, we have Bloomberg here. And uh, it has a trading platform and information and a news platform. All, all, all of the world's currency trades are loaded up onto this platform. Um, Reuters does a similar kind of service. It's not as good as Bloomberg's, however. It's like the second cousin. Uh, I saw an article today saying, when you want to train your sales staff, uh, you put them onto Reuters, and then when they're ready to go into the real world, then you use Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg costs a lot more. Um, but now you need to ask if uh, if traders are using Bloomberg's uh, instant messaging system uh, to to short the rand, to manipulate the value of the rand, to manipulate currency uh, values. I'm sure it's not only happening in South Africa. South Africa is very easy to do simply because we've got everything uh, you know modernized and uh, we've got all of the infrastructure to enable this corruption to take place. Now, should Bloomberg be, can Bloomberg be a journalism organization and also play this close and very intimate and influential role in international markets? Surely everything that comes out of Bloomberg should be viewed with uh, circumspection. You get like one of those uh, 12 meter barge, 12 foot barge poles and you, you kind of like prod the news coming out of Bloomberg, you know, and you've got a, You've got like a, uh, a, a a suit on, a full body suit with like a one centimeter thick lead lining to prevent yourself from the dirty radioactivity that's coming out of the the Bloomberg news stories, and you you kind of like hook it out of the water, and you you land it on your you landed on your desk, and you kind of like say, okay, now can I believe this? Um, you know, I've been going on uh, hammering away for the last like uh, two months about the fact that, uh, you know, we're always been told by Bloomberg and Reuters that, oh, well, you know, uh, President Thabo Mbeki or President Jacob Zuma, he said this thing today, and so the rand decreased in value again. Um, you say, oh, well, I see that the rand decreased in value in line with all of its emerging market peers. The Australian, the Australian dollar also fell down in the same level. I see that the Turkish lira has also fallen down in the same way and the same percentage. I see the Japanese yen is still also, you know, we are trading the same to all of them. It's only against the big, the big, uh, the big currencies that our value changes. But doesn't that mean that all of those other currencies then are also being influenced by Tito Mboweni? Huh? Tito Mboweni? Jay? Aye, man. Sure, that guy is strong. Huh? It's, it's like Woolworth's water. Tito Mboweni is like Woolworth's water. Or maybe um, uh, he's almost getting as strong as American democracy. American democracy now chooses leaders for your country. 
you know, you've never even heard of the guy, and suddenly you've got a new president. Isn't that amazing? Huh? It's uh, American democracy is like Woolworth's water. Nazi to the core. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> where, 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 where did that come from? Woolworth's water. Oh, yes, there's a boycott of Woolworth's going on again. So, um, yeah, nothing sexy about Woolworth's water. Stay away from it. Nazi water. Don't want to turn into a Nazi. You drink, you drink Woolworth's water and you'll start turning into Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll see. You'll start talking with a German accent and doing goose steps up and down the aisles. You'll see. Yeah, be careful. Stay away from that Woolworths water. Uh, um, it's turning into like American democracy. It makes you start doing funny things. Ah, you must stay away. You know that it can't be trusted. You know. You know it can't be trusted. Woolworths water. Ah, stay away. Stay away. And Woolworths milk, stay away from that as well. Stick to Stick to checkout. Go to checkout. There's it. Honest business. Honest business. No frills, no fuss. And they're one of us. So yeah, yeah, stay away from stay away from those other those other shopping centers. I know, I know, it's the air conditioning. You just got to go there for the air conditioning. Um, yeah, so um can we trust Bloomberg? Can we trust Reuters? Every day they're coming out, they're saying, oh, no, you know, uh, you know, they're basically trying to cripple our political process in the interests of squeezing a few profits out of our currency. That's why they're doing this kind of stuff. And as far as I'm concerned, Bloomberg is not to be trusted and neither is Reuters. Jazakumullah for joining us. We come to the end of our show. That's all we have time for for today. I make dua that whatever trade and activity you got up to has been profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah Wal Jama'ah.